get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Michelle, I'm Randy. Great to have you with us. There's going to be no Big Ten football this fall, and there were eight Nebraska players that decided, you know what, I don't think the league is as unified as maybe they want us to believe. So they filed a lawsuit, and Adam Adam Rittenberg, senior college football writer for ESPN.com, has been covering this story exceptionally well. He joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. He has a story up right now at ESPN.com about what's going on. Adam, great to have you with us. How are you doing? Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me on. I'll be doing well. Everything's good here. We're interested in this story, though. Obviously, Michelle is an Illinois grad, and we keep a close eye on the Big Ten. And I was uh, under the perception that Kevin Warren had pretty strong support among his schools to not play a fall football season. And what you wrote yesterday seems to bear that out. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of questions. I mean, the lawsuit that you mentioned from the players, a lot of it was around, was there a vote? What was the vote? How did the vote take place? The process of the vote? And so, you know, again, the Big Ten didn't reveal exactly who voted where, but but again, finally said, okay, listen, this is the vote. It was 11 to 3. You know, sources have uh, have told us and, and other outlets that the three dissenting votes were Nebraska, Ohio State, and Iowa. So it was still an overwhelming majority the Big Ten bylaws state that you need 60% of the presidents and chancellors to approve, uh, you know, some type of major action like this. And they were obviously well above that threshold. So that's, uh, that, that's where it's at right now. And, you know, the, the Big Ten, the brief that they filed on Monday, they hope, you know, it's kind of the end of this. Um, we'll see how much farther the Nebraska players and their attorneys want to take it. But they believe by revealing the vote and by, uh, you know, showing that, that their decision was based on more than just the, the one study that was cited in the in the filing from the Nebraska players that, you know, hey, we made this vote. I know you don't like it, but we have the right to do it. And, you know, there's really nothing you can do about it. That's sort of the, the, the message from the Big Ten. Adam, as this decision continues to face criticism from a bunch of different avenues, whether it's players and parents, schools within the Big Ten, fans, media, as the Big Ten looks and they see other conferences, the ACC, the SEC, push forward, do you think there's any chance that they're going to reconsider this decision? You know, privately, and Michelle, I'm sure they could, but it, it, they're not going to play next week. They're not going to play, uh, I think, any time before the end of November. Um, you know, they, they, they felt from the, the information that they received from their infectious diseases group and their sports medicine group that they, they couldn't even go forward with contact practices. Now, I, I think it was a mistake to go right to postponement. And, you know, they certainly could have paused and, and reevaluated in a couple of weeks, especially with students on campus and you know, kind of seeing the ups and downs of how to manage this. But you know, they, they, they felt strongly enough that they, they just couldn't go forward. Um, and so it's going to be painful, absolutely, seeing other leagues playing, especially if they can get through a season with 
minimal interruptions. I, I think that's going to be difficult. I think there's going to be interruptions. I think it's going to be a messy type of season, but it's still for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and, and everybody else that postponed, it's going to be hard to watch. But I, I, I'd be very surprised if, if, uh, if anything happens as far as restarting before the end of, end of November. I think the likeliest option is probably early January. But there's just certain things that need to be met, benchmarks that need to be met, for these presidents to feel more comfortable than they did clearly, most of them, on, on August 11th. Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com with us on 101 ESPN. Those benchmarks would all seem to be COVID-related, correct? No doubt. And, you know, I think, again, I think the, the biggest ones would be around testing and just the feeling that, that everybody that would be part of an event uh, on a Saturday or whenever they take place would be COVID free. And I don't, I don't think they felt the presidents at least felt comfortable enough with where the testing was at, that everybody that was going to be on the field for a football game would, would be for sure in negative for COVID. Um, and so that could obviously create uh, the potential for, for, for a spread or some type of outbreak. And, you know, the, the, the thing that's hard, again, I think the big 10 still needs to show this is what about what, what, what was it about playing football that made it so much more dangerous for the presidents or for the, for the campuses or for these individuals who most of whom really wanted to play. They had the option to opt out. You know, their, their, their parents are on board. They want to play this fall. And that's been, you know, and, and you've seen obviously uh, with, with, uh, with, with some schools uh, you know, postponing, it's not like the virus is going away. Iowa's had a pretty significant outbreak on their campus, other schools in the big 10 here and there. And so, you know, by, by postponing, it's not like you're saving people from getting the virus. And that's, I think, where a lot of people are, are struggling with this decision. But it's a decision that they made, and I, I would expect that they'll further explain it here even going forward as they try to get uh, closer to restarting. But you're right. All those different uh, markers they need to reach to get to a place where they can start a season have to do with the virus. And Adam, we got excited here in St. Louis last week when the report out of Columbus suggested that in a winter season, they could play games here at the Dome. How viable do you think that is, a, a Big Ten winter season that would be played at Midwest Dome stadiums? It's very viable. I think either the late – there's really three There's three options on the table. There's an early winter option, which is kind of right after Thanksgiving, playing through December and January. There's that you know right after the first of the year option, which would be January, February, into March. And then there's one that's more – a little bit closer towards the spring – I think all three options, but certainly the first two, would 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 really require competition to be held in 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 the indoor stadiums. And so you obviously have three that are that are you know NFL facilities right now: Minnesota, Indianapolis, Detroit. But then you have the facility in St. Louis, like you guys have there. Obviously, Miller Park in Milwaukee has been thrown out. In addition, I don't know how you fit the field in necessarily. That's a, that's a little bit of a different situation. But they played football in St. Louis. It's it's close enough to schools like like Illinois and Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota. Uh, you can you can get there fairly easily. So I, I I would anticipate they'll at least explore that as an option. But when talking to people around the league, I, I don't I, they they understand it's just not feasible to play outdoors in December and January, regardless of when the actual start date is. So I would expect these to be almost competition bubbles, these indoor facilities. Maybe you, you play games on Thursdays and Fridays or Fridays and Saturdays, or if you, if you have the availability without the NFL, it makes it a lot easier. Kevin, how do you think that, or excuse me, Adam, how do you think that Kevin Warren has handled this decision? Well, not great. 
Um, but I don't think all the criticism should be on him. And I think, again, the, what, what came out yesterday uh, is, is a little bit illustrative of, of what's happened here. Okay, so, you know, they, they, the, the Big Ten presidents and chancellors didn't want the vote to be out there initially. Is that on Kevin Warren? No, it's on them. Um, I, I think as, as leaders of these pu- mostly public schools, there's only one private school in the Big Ten, they should have been more transparent on the front end. You know, part of Kevin Warren's job, he's hired by the presidents and chancellors. Part of his job is to protect them and to protect the league. I think there was too much of that going on when the decision was announced. Now, he didn't do a good job of communicating uh, some of the rationale, the real specifics behind such a big decision. Uh, you know, there are those in the league who believe that he, he pushed this. This was his crusade to get to the postponement. I don't necessarily, the more I've learned about it, believe that that's true. If you look at the makeup of the Big Ten presidents, you have some, you have two medical doctors at Michigan and Michigan State. You have others who have a lot of expertise in, 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 the, in this area. They have to as they're overlooking these large campuses. So is it all on Kevin Warren that most of them decided to postpone? No. Now, was the messaging terrible? Yes. Was, was, there, was there a lot of issues, especially around those few days right after the, the postponement? Absolutely. But uh, ultimately, you know, these presidents made the call and they're going to have to make the call to, to resume. And, uh, and but again, I think for a lot of Big Ten fans, they, they just can't get past the fact that, that Kevin Warren is a, a first year commissioner and, and, and did this. And he's got a son who's playing football in the SEC. There's just a lot of things working against him. The SEC scheduled to start play three weeks from tomorrow, Adam. Based on what you've learned about how the SEC schools are dealing with COVID, how confident are you that they'll be able to get things going and play? I, I've always felt that the leagues that wanted to push forward and play would, would be able to start the season. I, I just don't know if it's going to be uh, stop and start and stop and start over again. I mean, you look at Auburn. I think Auburn has 16 players out right now. Not that all have all 16 have the virus, but they're out because of contact tracing uh, and, and other things. Um, and, and that's been a real concern coaches have expressed to me about how difficult it's going to be to get through the season it, are, are some of the contact tracing regulations that are in, really different in many cases, state to state, or in some cases, county to county. And so I, I think it's going to be very odd. Uh, you're going to see you know, certain position groups with not a lot of depth, you're going to see players doing things they don't normally do because they have to to get through a game. Uh, so, but I do think there'll be an attempt to start, and and uh, and we'll just see how it goes. Uh, but but yeah, I think the SEC did this very well in terms of giving themselves as much time as possible to see how this was going to work with students back on campus, with practices, dealing with the ups and downs, and then you know, and then and then obviously still being able to get in a conference only season and being able to compete for the the normal national championship structure in early January. Adam, we got word yesterday that LSU defensive tackle Tyler Shelvin is opting out. That brings the total to four LSU Tigers that have opted out. Do you think we're going to see more players take this route as the season pushes forward? Well, I, I think we could see more as we get closer to the start. You know, agents are, are doing their thing. They're, they're obviously talking to these players and their families and, and, and explaining the uh, the benefits in their eyes of not playing this season and, and, and getting ready for the NFL draft. I, I spoke to a source at LSU yesterday who, who assured me that they're done with opt-outs. Um, now we'll see if that's true, but this person felt pretty confident that, that, uh, that that's it, that Shelvin was the final one. But, I, you know, you, you saw a number in the Big Ten, actually, before the Big Ten even announced it was postponing. And then you've seen uh, now a few in the SEC prominent players um, you know, at, at, at a few schools, and I think that, that should continue here 
with, 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 a, you know, I mean, it's not going to be a huge amount, but I think, uh, you know, a number of guys that you saw Kenneth Gainwell from, from Memphis, they're outstanding young uh, running back and an all-purpose player. He's opting out. So there's going to be some names here before we get to the start of the season for some of these power five leagues. But um, it's just the, the environment that we're in right now with so much uncertainty. With all that uncertainty, we haven't really talked about football. So Adam Rittenberg, where would you have been tomorrow for the opener of the college football season? <laughs> wow. I, it is amazing to think that, I, yeah, I, I, I would have certainly tried to get to like Alabama, USC, yeah, I've been, I was down there last year for the Auburn Oregon game at uh, AT and T Stadium, which was awesome. Um, that that was one that was certainly on my radar. Um, it's it just it, you know, it's amazing you ask me that question. Like I, I forget what the original Week One games <laughs> were because it, you know it just it's been such a it's been such a churn here with the cycle and the different schedules coming out and then and then the changes in in, in with the postponements. And so I, I just remember Alabama USC was one that was pretty high yeah. on my list. Adam, how what do you anticipate the television product to be like when college football arrives? Because we've gotten kind of conditioned to the fans and not being in the stands for baseball or or hockey, but college football is completely different with the environment and the fanfare. So, what do you think it's going to be like when you see the the stadiums and they're twenty percent full or empty, depending on where you are? It's a great question because it really is a sport that that is connected with the fans and the pageantry and the bands. And I know that, uh, you know, the SEC, they're not having bands uh, perform on the field. Um, And that's, you know, certainly unfortunate, but understandable given the environment. And so, yeah, the TV product, uh, you know, don't envy my friends on the uh, on the television side of ESPN having to uh, to figure this out. I know, uh, obviously, the first game. This past week, you had broad, you know, the two broadcasters in in Connecticut, and then you had a sideline reporter who was who was on site. Um, you could see more of that, uh, but it's um, you know it's going to be different, and it's going to be probably more focused on on the actual game and the X's and O's as opposed to some of the things you see in the stands or or, or, or you know, obviously tailgating. It's not going to be happening at a lot of places, and and so. Uh, but I, I you know I think the the plan that Notre Dame announced on Monday is probably one that a lot of schools are going to go to, which is, you know, about 20% or less. And then obviously focused on the students and making sure that if anybody gets in, it'll be the students and, and then maybe others that are part of the university with players, families, that that's probably going to be the extent of your crowds at a lot of these venues. Adam, great work as always. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. You bet. See you later. That's Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com, and you can read his great work. By the way, it would have been USC and Alabama on September 5th. Uh, that would have been Saturday. Man. so It's hard to believe September 5th is Saturday, and that yeah. it would have been that, that game. It would have been the first big weekend. Mizzou would have been playing Central Arkansas. would have been the first big weekend of college football. And now we'll have some games. They just won't be FBS. We'll take what we can get. Absolutely, we will. (laughs) We will. Coming up next, how important were the starts for Adam Wainwright and Dakota Hudson to give the Cardinal bullpen a little bit of a break with doubleheaders coming up? That's next on 101 ESPN.